We completed our 50-day journey going through the Bible, right? These last eight weeks, we've kind of spent journeying at the 30,000-foot view of, of understanding the story of God and the theme of God, and, and there were lots of things that stood out to me over these last seven and eight weeks that we've spent in the Word of God. I imagine so, too, that you saw things or certain things hit you, and, and one of the main things that hit me these last eight weeks is... The fact that we have a God that does big, crazy miracles that only he can do. And it's not just like one or two in scriptures. It's the whole story of the Bible is this miracle after miracle after miracle of God showing up and doing things that only God can do. Big, audacious God things. And, and, and I started to, and I've talked about this with you church before, and and. Um, I started to get excited because I want, you want more of that, right? You read and it's like, well, does, does God still do those things? You know, is, is reading the Bible like a tour through the museum of what, like, what used to be? Or is it, is it more like, no, this is, this is our God who still does these things, and, and, and where are those things? That's what I found myself saying. I want more of that. I want more of those things. I want, want God to show up and still do those things. And I don't know about you, but I still believe he does those things. I, I still believe that our God is a miracle worker and, and, and a way maker and that he wants to do those things. But I'm like, where are they? You know, am, am I the only one? Y'all with me in this, right? Like, God, God hasn't changed, right? It says, scriptures say he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't gotten tired or worn out of cool ideas to do, right? And so why? why? Why are we in the American church feeling, I don't know, at times powerless? Why, why does Christianity... It's, seem um, just lukewarm, the church kind of just casual, comfortable, Americanized version of vanilla Christianity. It's like you read through scripture, it's like anything but that, right? It's anything but vanilla. And, and so um, I found my soul and my spirit getting stoked and, and believing that that's because of the season that that God has us in as a church. And so my, my desire for these next four weeks is that you and I would have our soul and our spirit stoked and that we would rise up during this time. Because I really do believe, church, that we're, we're in a special season here at, at Next Community Church and that God is looking to still do extraordinary things. And he's looking for ordinary people that are willing to take faith risks with him to do these extraordinary things. Um, this June will, will, will officially, as a church, be one year old as, as next community church. I mean, many of, of you have been with us from the beginning uh, for the last 12 years, but for next community church, we'll be one year old. And, and this last nine months has been, has been amazing. And, and as, as our leaders and as our elders, we feel like God has shown us... Um, the, the things that he has in store for us as a church. Every church has a, a, a vision, which is just a picture of the future. And we didn't dream it up, but it's things that as we've sought God, that God put on our hearts to say, here's where we're going. And I, I want to share, it's going to come out all throughout this series. And um, because 
if I, if I just go there and I turn around and you all ain't with me, then that's, that's not really a good thing. So we're, we want to go in this direction. There's, there's four things that we felt like God has shown us, uh, put on our hearts to be and do as a church in this next season, for however long this next season. And this is what I want to share with you. The first thing that he put on our hearts is to, is to stay here and skip back, right? Is to stay here. That was the first thing he said. Um, and when I say this is what God said, this is, we didn't hear an audible voice. Um, it, it, it has come after multiple times of prayer and fasting and conversation and prayer and fasting conversation. God, what are you saying this? And, and so as a church, you're, you're always kind of... Um, thinking about where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and, and now here we are, we came out from Keystone almost a year ago, and where are we supposed to be? And we added the third service. That's what happened last night. We kicked off our Saturday night service, and so God is blessing us, and we're seeing fruit, and that's, a, that's an awesome thing. And so um, stay here is what God said. This is where you started. You ever been a family or people in transition where, like, you know where you're at, it's probably not your permanent home, and you're always kind of, you're always kind of looking. You're, you're, you're kind of always looking around. Your, your heart's always kind of someplace else, and you kind of always just have that lack of permanency. That's gone now, right? Because this is what God said, stay here. And, and so for, at least for me, I don't know about for y'all, but for me, it has just been like, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we started. We started a mile down the road in the 4-H building. And, and this is where we're going to be. We're putting down roots, and this is where the community that God is definitely calling us to stay in. Not, not 20 minutes north up that way, or not 20 minutes east that way, or, or west that way. Like, this is where we're going to stay. The second thing that we, we felt like we sensed that God said to us is not only stay here, but now buy this building that you're, you're, you're in. Maybe you don't know this or not, but um, we moved in here in 2015, and in 2015, we we signed a lease to, and we, re- we rent this building. And so we signed a five-year lease. And then in 2020, we signed a two-year extension that is up May 1st, which for all of you keeping score, that's like in a month and a half, right? And so, um, and so we had to quickly figure out, what, what, now that we felt like God's saying, stay here, what, what does that mean? And, and we felt like God's saying, it's the wise thing to do is to stay here in this building, and that is going to um, fuel us and limit us, which then fuels us in a different way. And, and I'll explain more about that as we go, as to actually how that ties into really the vision of what God has said, um, of, of staying here and buying this building. And the third thing we felt like he impressed upon our hearts was now, now that you're here, be more involved in the community. Be a church that really seeks to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Now you're going to stay here and you're going to put permanent roots down, right? Be a church that, that loves well and serves well and, and, and brings love and light and hope and truth and, and is the hands and feet of Jesus into this community and cares for people the way Jesus cared for people, the marginalized and those that needed help. And Jesus would come and he would meet their physical needs so he could ultimately meet their spiritual needs. Now, I'll never forget the saying that God stamped on my pastoral heart like 15 years ago when it came about the church and how the church should function in the community in which it, it exists is that the church needs to build bridges into the community strong enough to bear the weight of the gospel. 
That was the, that was the challenge to, to, the, to the pastors. Lead your church to build bridges into the community, strong bridges of, of, of connection and love and service and hope that the church is, is, a, is a beacon of kind of love in the community, that the church is known for those are people that help us and they care and they serve and they're making a difference and they're being the hand and feet of Jesus. Not just doing good stuff like social justice things, and, but never opening the, the, the mouth of proclaiming the name of Jesus because if all you're doing is those things, but you're not ever addressing their spiritual need, which is the deepest need, that's, a, that's an issue. That's why this saying resonated with me, is building bridges strong enough to bear the weight of the gospel. Because the gospel's weighty. You know that, right? The gospel is weighty. It's, it's heavy. It's, it's offensive. It's offensive enough that you and I don't need to be. The gospel is that every single person in the world is a sinner and deserves hell. That's an offensive start to a conversation. You're a sinner and you deserve hell. All of us, right? But there's good news. Is that, that God loves you so much and doesn't want you to get what you deserve that he sent his son to take on the cross what you and I deserve. And so Jesus paid the price of our shortcomings and then gave us his righteousness and took our sin and so, but it takes faith for you to enter into that relationship with Jesus so that when the day comes, you stand before your maker, Jesus is there with you because you've invited him into your life. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sin on you. He sees Jesus in you. That's good news. That's the gospel. But that's, that's an offensive message. So we build bridges into the community strong enough to bear the weight of the gospel. And that's what we've, I mean, when this church started, we were very active in the community. We were doing the 4th of July parade that was going up and down the streets and car shows and different service projects. And of course, we've done our carnival and all kinds of things. And I feel like over the last couple of years, it's not so much. And COVID, of course, kind of messes all that up. But I don't know about you all, we're, we're ready to start loving and connecting with people again. And it's like, we're not made to hide, we're made to be together. And so, um, be involved in the community. And the last thing we felt like God put on our hearts is this, we're, we're going to plant churches. That the, the number one best way to expand the kingdom of God is to start gospel-centered churches in areas. When you plant Jesus people in a community, that's how the gospel goes out. And so, and that ties in to, to, to number two here, buying this building. Some of you might think, and this is kind of, to be honest with you, the way that I thought like eight months ago, I was like, why would we stay here? It's, 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 it's too small, right? We're already having to do a third service and the parking lot's already kind of not big enough. And like, and, and so, and here's what God in his way, uh, you know, God's way is not our ways, has shown us as we've sought him and basically shared with us something that was not on my mind in full transparency, is that the, the, the desire of God, at least for our church, I don't want to speak for other churches, but I have a suspicion that the, buy 20 acres of land and build a 50,000 square foot big mega building that costs $12 million and you're going to get all... I, I think those days are behind us. And that, that, you know, we, we could do that. We could go try to buy, right up here on Lucon Road, there's 15 acres of land that we could buy and, and then try and build. This building's 24,000 square feet. It's not big enough. Let's build a 40, 50,000 square feet building. Let's go $12 million in debt. And it's like, I just don't think that's what God has for us. 
Instead, you're going to stay here and buy something that's a fraction of the price. And now you're going to have to do what you've always said you wanted to do. Multiply and reproduce and kind of, right, my life into somebody else's life. Your life into somebody else's. That's always what we've been about as a church. Discipleship and living community groups. And then for the last 10 years, Ryan Rouse has pushed you community group leaders to do what? Not just stay, but you've got to grow and multiply. Oh, we don't want to multiply. We like our friends. Why are you telling us to split? And then we, don't, then we say, no, no, no. We don't use the S word here. That's occurred. We don't split. Groups don't split. They multiply. They grow. They birth. My wife told me I can't use that word anymore about groups because she said it's weird. Stop saying groups birth, right? And so, but that's the vision. That's always been the vision is that healthy things grow. Healthy disciples multiply themselves into other people. Healthy groups grow and develop other leaders and grow. That's what we want to do as a church. That's, how, that's why we exist, because that's what happened to us 12 years ago. And so what would it look like for us every five years to plant a church to, for, a, for 100 of you, that we are able to give away 100 of you and say, go, let's, let's have that pioneer spirit. Let's not sit, settle, be comfortable, and be vanilla. Let's go bring the gospel. Let's rise up, church, and let's go. Let's go up to Royersford. Let's go down to East North, and let's go out to Pottstown. Wherever it is that God leads us, we don't know. But these are the four things that we felt like God has put on our heart for next community church. And so these are the marching orders that we felt like we've heard from God that we're moving forward and, and going to pursue. And that's why we've named this series Rise Up. And, and it all, I see it in my mind, my mind's eye, all of, all of this kind of coming together with um, us as a church and, and everything that's going on in the world that I, I, I don't think is an accident. I don't think it's a mistake. And why I believe God is calling us as a church to rise up. And if there is ever a time, church, that the world that is so confused and so in chaos, and so stressed out, and so divided, and so angry, and so hurt, and so being crushed, if there is not ever a time for the church to rise up and bring the hope, the love, and the light of Jesus Christ, I, I don't know, right? It now is the time. And, 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 and God, I think, is asking us, what if you're alive here in 2022, not by accident, not by mistake, not like, oh, I just wanted to go back to the way it was. But what if everything is exactly in God's control and he says you are here for such a time as this? Amen. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going we're gonna to look at the story of Esther, which is where that little phrase comes from, for such a time as this. Because that's what I believe, personally, that God is still in control and as the dark gets darker, the light gets brighter. If the light is willing to step into her role as the church, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I believe with everything within me, now is the time for us to rise up. That God is presenting us an opportunity that we are here for such a time as this. And so for the next four weeks, in each one of our Rise Up Sundays or Saturday nights, if you choose to go on Saturday night, we're going to talk about a different Rise Up story in the Bible. We're going to look at, because I'm convinced God's not done. I'm convinced he's not tired or out of cool ideas. He's just waiting for his people to have faith. 
that God's like, who's ready? Who's ready to go? And he's waiting for people to say, I'm all in, let's go. I'm not trying to build my kingdom and my agenda and I'm in control. God, here I am. Here I am. Use me, like Isaiah said. Send me. And so this morning, we're going to look at the story of Esther. And the story of Esther, it should be somewhat familiar. You, you've, you've journeyed through the Bible with us. We spent a little time in Esther. You remember the story of Esther, the background of Esther, the setting of Esther? Can you picture? Do I need to get the smart board back out? Can you picture the setting of it, right? Remember, we were uh, the, the kingdom of Israel divided and and there was the northern kingdom. They were all bad, and Assyria came in and destroyed them in 586. But then the southern kingdom continued on. I'm sorry, 722. The southern kingdom continued on until 586. And Babylon came in, destroyed them, carried them away into exile to Babylon, where they lived for 70 years. And then the Persian Empire rises up and says, all you Jewish people, you guys can go back home to your land. A lot of people came back. That's Ezra, Nehemiah. A lot of people stayed in Persia, in Babylon area. That's where the story of Esther takes place. In the capital of Persia, which is Susa. And so the king of Persia, um, even though he lets the Jewish people go home, he's and when you read the story of Esther, and it's, a, it's an amazing book. You should read it if you haven't read it. It's a very unique book. It's the only book in the whole Bible that does not mention God, which is very peculiar. It's so peculiar, you, you have to begin to say, why doesn't this book of the Bible mention the God of the Bible? And it's as if God is not mentioned in out front of everything that's going on, rather He's behind the scenes working, and, and as you read Esther, you notice all these coincidences that happen that just seem to work out these ironic reversals that happen. It seems as if there's somebody else pulling the strings on, on the story here, and, and it's this, actually, it's a, it's a beautiful author device to tell the story of God being in control when it seems like God's not right out in front even mentioned, but yet God's in, that's the book of Esther, how God is in control. This is a side note, if it ever feels like God has kind of left you, he's silent, he's not there, and it's like, I don't know, God, we're there, I promise you, he is there in the background, and he is working, even if he doesn't write out front, even when you don't feel it, he's work. that would be good lyrics for a song, we should write that down, <laughs> right? So the king of Persia decides to throw a party for himself in his honor and his glory and throws a party. And it was a party, man. You, some of you think you, back in the day you knew how to party. Did you ever party for 187 days? Because that's how long this party was. He threw a party for 187 days. And in a drunken fit, he calls in the queen and he says, bring the queen in here because I want to show her off to everybody so you can look at her and see how beautiful my queen is. And the queen, Queen Vashti, says, no, I ain't coming in and doing that. And he gets so angry, he deposes the queen and says, you're not the queen anymore. And they hold a beauty contest for a new queen. And here's Esther, this Jew who's living in Persia in this beauty contest. And coincidentally, she wins. 
And the king just becomes enthralled with with Esther, who ends up becoming the queen, the queen of Persia. This Jewish, she hides her Jewishness from them. And so um, she has an uncle, and his name is Mordecai. And Mordecai is over to the side and coincidentally hears a plot of two people talking about assassinating the king. And so Mordecai tells his niece, Esther, who then whispers to the king and saves the king's life. And Mordecai gets elevated to a high position. But then there's this evil guy, the second guy in charge, that doesn't like Mordecai and ends up convincing the king to make a decree to kill all the Jews living in the land. And he signs a decree and says, we're going to do it. We're going to kill all the Jews. And so Mordecai comes to the queen and says, you got to do something. Comes to her, his niece and says, you got to stop this. What if you became queen for such a time as this? That's the story of Esther. And, and we use that phrase, and if you've grown up in church or you know the story of Esther, I mean, that's a kind of a popular phrase for such a time as this. It gets popular. We, there's, there's hashtags and T-shirts and coffee mugs, and it's like a slogan of kind of like empowerment and like for such a time as this and like that. But, but the context of it, the actual context of it is interesting because it didn't come out first that Esther was all in for this. Um, well, let's, let's, let me just read part of the story, Okay. Uh, Esther chapter 4, after the decree comes to kill all the Jews, Esther chapter 4 is where we're at if you have your Bible. If not, we'll put it on the screen. Verse 13 says, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther. All right, so Mordecai's not with Esther. He's sending a messenger to the queen's palace to say, hey, you got you to tell my niece this. Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you're in the king's palace. Like, don't think you're going to get away. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. Listen, God's still in control, and if you bail out on your possible kingdom assignment, God's still going to work something out. But then here's what he says, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position, say it with me, church, for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Perhaps. Perhaps God is still in control of everything that's going on in the world. And perhaps God has you here at Next Community Church, this new church that is kind of set off in this direction, and God is saying, stay here and be involved and start being active in the community, and we're going to plant churches. And, and perhaps he's given you the job that you have. He's given you the position you have. He's given you the influence you have. Students, perhaps he's given you the gifts that you have. Perhaps he's given you the athletic ability the spot on the football team, the spot on the basketball team, the spot on the cheerleading. Perhaps he's giving you all of that not to expand your own kingdom, not to preserve yourself, but perhaps he's giving you this position for such a time as this to step into it by faith 
for the benefit of others. This is what Mordecai sang to Queen Esther. Perhaps God put you in this position because he's going to use you to bring salvation to a wide breadth of people. And what if the spot that you're in right now, right now, is not by accident? What if it's not a coincidence? And what if it's an invitation from the God of the universe saying, I have a kingdom assignment for you? You know what I think one of the great tragedies is of, of, of Christians, the American church, especially the American church, is that we are so enthralled with building our own little personal kingdoms is that we miss the king giving us invitations to build his kingdom. But it's going to take faith and sacrifice to do that. You read scriptures, it always takes these two things. It takes faith and sacrifice, doesn't it? It doesn't happen by accident. You don't accidentally build God's kingdom. And, and it seems like these two things, which are like cousins, is the, the main two components in God's economy of how things get done in God's kingdom. He's looking for his people to exercise faith and sacrifice. And personally, and I'm putting myself in this, I think why we don't see a lot of God-sized crazy things happen anymore is not because God's tired or it's not because God's changed or it's not because he's run out of cool ideas to do. It's because he's stopped finding people that are willing to live by faith and sacrifice. Because let's just be honest. I, I like to live by sight, not by faith. I like to, what, what can I, what, where's the plan? Where are we going? How do I know? What, okay, let's work it out. I, I want to live by, by, by sight. And sacri sacrifice sounds hard. I... I prefer comfort. That's, that's, I want to go comfortable, right? And we've become a people that love to live by sight and comfort. And so I think God is up there just waiting for people to recognize it takes faith and sacrifice and who are willing to step into a kingdom assignment for such a time as this and not miss out on that. But these, these, these words living by faith and sacrifice, they're really matters of the heart, aren't they? They are matters of the heart. It, it, it's it's got to be in your heart to live by faith. Like living by faith is meaning that you're going to live in the space between what you know you can do and where God has to show up. And faith is in between there. That's living by faith. Where you know what you can do and over here God needs to show up. The space in the middle is faith. That's an issue of the heart saying I'm willing to live my life in there. And an issue of sacrifice, that's definitely an issue of the heart. Because our heart craves selfishness and comfort, and like me, right? Like, and, so, and it's interesting, when Jesus spoke about matters of the heart, it's particularly interesting to me in the Sermon on the Mount, when he addressed the issue of the heart, specifically when it comes to being part of his kingdom and kingdom assignments. And here's what he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, then your heart goes there. Which if you stop and you think about it, 
that sounds backwards. It almost sounds like Jesus, it almost sounds like Jesus got it backwards. It almost sounds like he should say, where your heart is, my heart is for golf, so I'm going to invest in good golf clubs and playing golf, right? So that's where my treasure goes. Where your heart is, then the treasure goes there. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart goes. Which is interesting to stop and think about. And it begs the question to analyze your heart by analyzing your treasure. And let me see if I can illustrate this for you so that you can, you can feel this. Sometimes you hear things. Sometimes you see things. This one I want you to feel. So I want you to do something for me, okay? Trust me. Trust, trust Uncle Joe here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your wallet. Everybody in here. Women, men, purse, wallet, satchel, purse, whatever you carry, pull it out. All right? Every, all, all of you. Everybody. All right? Everybody. Don't be that guy like, I ain't doing this. This is dumb. Pull out your wallet. All right? Come on. Be, don't be that person. Pull it out. Your wallet. Your purse. Okay? I want you to just hold it right there in front of you. Everyone got it? All right? I want you to look around at somebody who's not doing it and give them the stink eye right now, all right? Because they're not playing along with my game. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your treasure, I mean your, your, your wallet, and I want you to pass it to somebody you don't know. Right now, do that. Dead serious. Take it and pass it to somebody you don't know. <clears throat> All right, all right, settle down now. Now, now you're all awake. Like, oh, now you got us awake, Pastor. Now we're awake, right? And some of you, your anxiety level just went up here. I know, I know, right? Now, take that person's wallet and pass it to someone else you don't know. Dead serious, right now, pass it to somebody else you don't know. All right, all right, give me your eyes again. Stay with me. Listen, now I know those of you who are anxiety just went here. Now it's like just went up here, right? And I know where your heart is. About two rows over in a seat back. That's, that's where your heart is right now. You got one eye on me and one eye on that guy holding your wallet. Why? Why is your heart over here? Because that's where your treasure is. You feel that? You feel that? Jesus didn't misspeak. He knew what he was talking about. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to go. Now, I know you won't hear another word I say until you get your wallet back, so go ahead, give it back. Find a person and give it back, all right? All right, how, how many of you secretly just looked inside to make sure everything was there? I mean, you're like, I don't trust these church people here, all right? All right. Where your treasure is, there your heart goes. And for the next three weeks, the month of March, 
I'm just going to invite you to consider perhaps there's something bigger at play that God is doing. And perhaps God is challenging his bride to live by faith and sacrifice, to analyze what's going on with your treasure because of what's going on in your heart. And, and perhaps, perhaps, if you've ever said these words, I just don't feel close to God right now. My relationship with God isn't very close right now. I don't feel like I'm hearing him in my heart right now. Perhaps part of the issue with you and God and your heart is actually not a heart issue. But according to Jesus, perhaps it's a treasure issue. Because Jesus said that where your treasure is, your heart is. And so if your treasure is invested in all of the things that are only for the here and the now, and yet God is this eternal being who's trying to do different things on a different level, and you don't have any treasure invested there, and your heart won't be there because your heart's tied up and everything, perhaps part of the reason that you don't feel close to God is not just a heart issue, it's a treasure issue. And so here's, here's what we're going to do, and here's how... I'm going to invite you to go with us these next three weeks. I'm going to invite you to do three things. And it ties in with those four things that we felt like God was saying to do. I'm going to ask you to do three things over the next three weeks. Church, all of you. I'm asking all of us to do this. And Dana and I are doing it ourselves. We're in this together. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to seek God how you are going to spiritually and financially Help us with the vision that God has put on our heart at this time in church's history. And I know what some of you maybe are thinking, here it is. There's the great ask, right? There's the great turn, Pastor. Ah, it's a money thing. You're after the money. And here's, I have, I have searched my heart on this, honestly. And I can stand before God and before you and say these words. I know that God does not need your money. And as a church, I know that our trust is in God. And so, as your pastor, and I think, I think if you've been coming here a while, you, you, you know my heart, and you know, I feel, how very little we, we talk about Monday, money. And don't pass an offering plate, and don't twist arms, and if you're a guest here, you're like, oh, what am I walking into here? First off, they're passing wallets around here. What kind of church is this, right? <laughs> is that my sincere desire for you is to have your heart be where God is as your pastor, first and foremost. And so I am challenging you for such a time as this to seriously consider being a part of what we think God is calling us to do, to invest into the kingdom of God and watch your heart begin to be transformed because now your treasure is maybe reallocated in some ways into kingdom things and God things. And so watch how this, that's why it's really a spiritual journey and a financial journey. I'm just asking, so here, I'm not going to arm twist you. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not giving you numbers. All I'm asking you to do, step number one, is begin to seek God. Step number two is this. I'm just going to ask you to go ahead. Step two is spend time listening to God over the next three weeks. So I'm going to ask you to do, begin to seek him, and that you would consecrate your heart and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to spend time listening to what you have to say. 
over the next three weeks. And then here's the really big ask, the really big one. Number three, what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Do what he says. And that's all I'm going to ask you to do, church. Sit with God, open your heart, and let him speak to you financially about where we're going and spiritually about where we're going. Listen to what he says and then do what he says. And I'm asking everyone to do that. And when I say Dane and I are doing this, we're doing this too. So that we can move forward and step into what we believe God is calling us to do for such a time as this. Let me have the worship team come. Esther's first response. When Mordecai came, listen, maybe this is your first response. Because let me, I, I want to end with this verse. Esther's first response when Mordecai said, hey, you got to go talk to the king. Her first response was not, I'm in. Let's do this. Let me show you what her first response is. If Esther chapter 4, this is Esther's response. All the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned. The death penalty. Unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing the person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Here's what she's saying. The only way you get to come into the king's presence is if the king calls you in. And Esther the queen is saying, I haven't been called in the last 30 days. And you want me to go in there and say, hey, reverse your edict to kill all the Jews? It's a suicide mission. This is her first response. What do you hear there? What do you hear? Fear, worry, eyes of faith, thinking of others. I, I could die. And so listen, church, I, I know that when it comes to being a part of a heart adjustment, especially when, when you start thinking about financial heart adjustments, there's always going to be that first instinct to just be like self-preserve, protect, fear, anxiety, worry, lack of trust, all of that. I get that. That's what Esther's first response. And it's then that Mordecai comes back and says, yeah, but what if you've been put here for such a time as this? That's when his speech comes. And now I want you to hear her final answer. Her final answer is, is this. She says, all right, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. And that's what she says. She says, Let's, we, gotta, we gotta talk to the Lord about this. I want everyone praying for me. I want everybody fasting for me. She says, don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. Don't be pulling one of those, I'm gonna skip lunch fast. She's saying, this is hardcore, we're all in fast. Nothing, night or day, three days. I and my female servants, we're going to fast in the same way. And after that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. And here it is. If I perish, I perish. Wow. Faith and sacrifice. She moves from fear and worry to faith and sacrifice. Pretty fast. And so that's... that's 
That's the invitation I'm giving to you, church, as we go on this journey, to rise up for such a time as this. I don't believe it's a mistake, and I believe with everything within me that the church, our church, other gospel-centered churches that believe in Jesus and preach the Bible, they are the hope of the world. And if we don't respond to that, who will? I think God's put us here for such a time as this, and I think it's going to be a great ride, and I pray that you'll go with me. Spend time with God next three weeks. Listen to what he says, and let's obey God. So, Father, that's our prayer. Help us. Help us in our fear and our anxiety. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.